0: eternal life is the injection into the realm of time of something from the realm of eternity eternal life is the coming into human life of something of the life of god When sickness is trying to rattle your body and you use your authority in the name of Jesus against it and the sickness leaves, that is the operation of eternal life. When you cast out devils, that's eternal life at work. When you overcome temptations, that's eternal life at work. This life we have is the post-resurrection life of Christ. I believe the most exciting part of the grace message is the power of God's grace to liberate us from sin.
1: of God's Word gives light
0: and understanding. Welcome to a season of blessing and transformation as God's Word comes to you through the ministry of our Senior Pastor, Rev. Peter Ayo alabi Stay blessed. Glory to Jesus. Alrighty, so we were saying last week The four views of redemption according to Paul's epistles, that is Paul's teachings. And um, if you remember, we started by looking at the Ransom view. And last week we finished up by talking about the substitution and satisfactory view of redemption. But before we go into all that, you remember we said quite a number of things last week. All right, and the topic is the justified ones, and you know we are talking about this under the series for this month, the blessed life. Did you see this? I told us the blessed life is the life we have received in Christ. God did not give us a cursed life; He has given us a blessed life. Somebody say, "I am blessed." If I say it this way, say, I, I, was born "I was born blessed." Okay, say it this way, say, "I was born again blessed." I was born again. All right, you know, you know there is a word, uh, there is a name in the Yoruba uh, 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 tribe, Bolanli, Do you see that? That's the that's the lot of all new men in Christ. All men in Christ who were born blessed. Abolanle, are you hearing what I'm saying? So we were not born into a curse, we were not born into lack, we were not born into troubles, we were not born into bondage. We were born free, hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a free man, I'm a free man. <laughs> Glory to God. I say, I say, be we'll seated, we'll see praise God. So the blessed life is the life that we have received in Christ. And um, I said to us that God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every man god did in christ what he wanted to do in every man so what god has done in christ is what god has replicated in every man in christ if you're born again your life is a replica of the life of jesus that is god did in christ what he wanted to do in every man you know that was jesus i told us last week is the archetype or the prototype and an archetype is simply the model did you see that when you make that model you you now pattern all other production after that model jesus is that model and so that's why you see the scriptures severally he's called the firstborn did you see from the dead colossians 1 18. do you see that he says that we are to be conformed romans chapter 8 into the image of our uh, the the son of god did you see predestinated to be conformed to his image did you see now because he is did you see the prototype the archetype if our some bible commentators call jesus the part and son did you see that and truly is the part and son so god put into christ everything He wanted you to have god has put in christ everything you wanted you to have and so i told us last week we have equal position and we also have equal possession did you see that we have equal position and equal possession and so you see the new creature in christ is new in kind. Did you see that? Is new in quality. Is unheard of before. Is a new species that never existed before. Because the man Christ Jesus Himself is the firstborn again. Do you understand that? That is the resurrected Christ. Is not the same as the Christ that was born by the virgin. Are you getting that? The resurrected Christ is the one who liveth and can never die again. Are you getting that now? Yeah. So he's the firstborn of the new creation. That's what it means. So Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. He is the firstborn of the new creation. In other words, the resurrected Christ is a species that never existed before. A man, did you see that, that can live and that will live forever. You know, in Revelations 1, when he appeared to John on the island of Patmos, he introduced himself and said, I am he that was dead, but now I'm alive and forevermore. And And that was a man talking. He's still a man right now. Yeah. First Timothy 2, 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10, 12 says, "What this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, sat down at the right hand of God till his enemies be made his full stool. They're talking about the man Christ Jesus. There, has, there, there, there had never been such a man before. He is the first of that kind. But the good news is we are just like that too. <laughs> is somebody getting what we're talking about we are just like him now so he's not the only of that kind he's only the first of that kind come on is, is that are you getting that now so he is not just the only of that kind He is the first of that kind first amongst many and i'm one of that many Haha, <laughs> <laughs> and i'm glad to be one of that many glory to jesus so you understand that's the new creation man and so, new creature in Christ, again, means to be new in kind. It means to be new in quality. It means to be unheard of before. And that's what the, the Apostle Paul was saying in First Corinthians chapter 2. I have not seen, heard, nor hears, heard. Neither has he entered into the hearts of man the things that God has for those who love him. Uh, he was talking about new creation. He wasn't talking about your car. He wasn't talking about your house. And over the years, I usually jokingly say, "He wasn't talking about the wife you're going to marry, because whoever you're going to marry is a woman, she's been heard of before. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? He's been heard of before, except you want to marry an unidentified flying object, UFO, or an alien from some planet we don't know. This is what I'm saying now. So, that scripture is not talking about, you know, the things God will do for you as in material things and all that, or all of the things God will do for you. He's talking about the new creature. Isaiah prophesied it in advance, and we're going to get to it today, All right, Isaiah 64. So, we're going to see that. So, what Jesus did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, changed everything. I told you last week, what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection changed everything. If... You see, Jesus didn't come down to earth. That is, God did not just take all the time to come down, become man in the flesh. Do you see that? And go through all that, death, burial, resurrection, ascension to the right hand of the Father, only just to affect your life a little bit. No. What he did changed everything. Let me even tell you, what he did literally changed everything. change your past, change your present, changed your future, and changed your eternity. Yeah. You say, "How did He change my past?" Well, your past is forgiven. Are you hearing that now? And your present makes sense, and your future is redeemed. Is somebody hearing what I'm talking about? He changed everything. He changed everything. He didn't just do some adjustments. And that's why the new creation is not an improvement on the old. It's not a panel beaten version of the old. The new creation is a new species of being that has never existed before. And and that's why I told you last week about remission. Did you see that? Remission of our sins. Which is what Jesus commanded us to preach. Luke 24, 47. And that repentance and remission of sins or forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Mm. When Peter got to the house of Cornelius, he preached that. Acts 10 43. he said, whosoever believes in Jesus will receive remission of their sins. And I told you last week, he, this remission is molecular remission. All right. All right. Are you getting that now? Yes, that is, our sins are in re- molecular re- remission. Yes, Meaning, there is no trace we ever had seen before. Yes, it, is, it is not traceable anymore. Yes, there, there are no evidences that it was ever inside yes, you. Yes, mm-hmm. And that's what it means to be justified. Just as sins, sin never happened.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow.
0: As a matter of fact, one of the best definitions of grace I've ever heard is from Brother Copeland. And he said, you see, grace is God's willingness to treat you as though sin never existed before. (laughs) I'll say that again because that's so powerful. You know, Brother Copeland said said that many times over the years now. He said, grace is God's willingness to treat you like sin never happened at all. It's God's willingness to treat you as though sin never happened. As, as though sin never happened, and that's because you, you and I have been justified. Romans five one and two. He said, "Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith through into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God." Can you see that? We have peace with God now. And by the way, that peace with God is not peace of mind.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Irene, it actually means oneness. Yes, sir. To be at one. Hallelujah. Woo! Same, same. In other words, yes, Because by virtue of our justification, we can stand before God without guilt, without inferiority. Did you see that? In other words, we can we can stand before God and look God eyeball to eyeball and say. Uh, on the scale of righteousness I weigh the same as you sir (laughs) on the scale of righteousness I weigh the same as you sir you know every time you stand before the Lord Jesus and before the Father did you see in the name of the Lord Jesus what you're simply doing is you're looking at God and saying sir on the scale of righteousness I weigh the same as you and I know it pleases you because that's why you went all the way to do all that. Yes, because you need to understand, Jesus is not more righteous than we are. Okay, let me blow a little more fuse for you in case, in case it's still hard for you. All right, God is not any more righteous than we are. Yes, sir. Okay, the yes sir is lower now. <laughs> i said, say it again God is not more righteous than we are We are his righteousness He gave us And he didn't just give us He made us Righteous just like himself You know sometimes I feel If we, if we come to times with that reality That we are just like God That is actually what will even help us Behave the way we ought to behave You are not going to put on the robe Of a king and go use it to play in the mud sometimes i think some christians don't know what they are clothed with he clothed us with his righteousness i put on the garment of god's righteousness no wonder paul said to the Ephesians, put on the new man put on the new man if i said again to them he said put on christ hallelujah i wear christ and what paul is saying there is you've got to walk and live with that consciousness are you getting this now Someone say, say I'm a new man.' I'm a new man. Say, I'm a new creature. old things have passed away, all things have become new. Can you shout, Amen? And I said, usually these things are hard for the human mind to comprehend because it was not designed for the or the human mind was not designed to comprehend them. It's impossible for your brain to grasp this. It's the reason why Paul had to write all those letters and pray all those prayers. Did you see he particularly prayed all those prayers? You see, so that the saints would come into comprehension of what Christ has done. We have not received the spirit which is of this world, First Corinthians 2, 12, but the spirit which is of God that we may know. You see, the things spirit given to us of God. And that's one of the basic ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of knowing. He helps you know. And he helps you not just know just anything. The Holy Ghost helps you know the truth. And the word truth, actually, most times you see it in relation to the Holy Spirit, refers to reality. Are you seeing that? The truth, whenever you see the word truth, used in connection with the Holy Ghost in John 16, 12, 13, Jesus uh, said that, you know, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But I'll be when the spirit of truth shall come. Do God, he calls him the spirit of truth. That is the spirit of reality. It will guide you into all truth. Can you see? So the Holy Spirit, we said last week, therefore, takes us into the reality of what happened in Christ's death and resurrection and what it has produced in us when we believed in god the holy spirit i repeated takes us into the reality of what happened in christ's death and resurrection and what it has produced did you see that in us when we believed god and so you understand the holy spirit helps us to see he helps us to understand and number three he helps us to experience what happened in christ the holy spirit helps us to see Helps us to understand and helps us to experience what happened in Christ. Did you see that? In other words, the Holy Ghost takes the victory of Jesus and makes it into your personal experience, into your personal victory. It takes the victory of Jesus and makes it into your personal experience. And as I told you, the difference between Christianity and religion is change, transformation. And i dare to say to you i'm not just teaching it i have experienced it glory to god and i keep on experiencing it it's not just religion we're talking about we're talking about a life it is impossible to come in contact with the life of god and remain the same yes, sir you cannot remain the same you cannot talk the same way you've always thought you cannot think the same way you've always thought you will not struggle with what you've always struggled with because the life of God will break chains off the life of God will 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 rid you of sickness it will flush the sickness out of your cells flush it out of your body flush it out of your bones Flush it out of your blood glory to god the life of god and it's in me now as i told you last week it doesn't matter what has been running in your family the life of god inside of you will stop it in its tracks there's a sin tendency, criminal tendency. Do you see that immoral tendency? The blood of Jesus will flush it out of him. That's the essence of that prayer. Hebrews 13 verse 20 and 21 now the god of peace that brought again from the dead our lord jesus christ that great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect to do in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight glory to god By the blood of the everlasting covenant. In other words, the blood of Jesus will begin to change your desires. The blood of Jesus will make you think the right things. The blood of Jesus will flush the wrong imaginations of you. The blood of Jesus will walk the right emotions. It will stir up the most holy emotions in you. You are now in a new bloodline. You are not in that old bloodline anymore. So stop being afraid that you are going to do the same things they did that they couldn't overpower. That it couldn't overcome. Did you see? The things, the sins that overpowered people in your lineage will not overpower you. Yeah. And that's what the word says. Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. I believe the most exciting part of the grace message is the power of God's grace to liberate us from sin. Yes, Glory! I feel like shouting and running about it. Glory! (laughs) Woo! Glory! (laughs) Woo! Tell somebody, say, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. (laughs) Glory to God. Do you see this? And and, and you see, because when the Holy Ghost begins to reveal that to you, you see, because in church, you hear the teachings by the anointing. But what happens usually is that the Holy Ghost now takes all these teachings and the Holy Ghost begins to bring you into the experience of it. I told you, the Lord said to me, I've anointed you to teach my people and to bring them into understanding and experience of the truth. Into experience and understanding of the word. There is an experience of the Word of God. It is the sweetest experience ever. There is nothing sweeter than experiencing the Word working in your life. Oh, the Word works. Glory to God. The Word works. The world works on your character. The world works on your body. The world works on your money. The world works on your marriage. The world works on your future. The world works on your mind. There is nothing the world does not work on. And you know why? Because all things were made by the world. <laughs> you can literally program your future. By the word of God. I tell you. By the word of God. You can put an end to your sick days. You can put an end to your broke days. you can put an end to your def- your days of defeat under the weight of sins and temptation. You can put an end to it. Just put the word in yourself. The word is a seed, Jesus said. The so soweth the word. Mark 4, 14. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. You keep putting the seed in there. Keep putting the seed in there. And keep watering the seed. I told you, the same way the seed is planted is the same way the seed is watered. Keep putting the word. Keep putting the word. Keep putting the word. Keep putting the word. And at some point, I tell you, the world will rise up as he did in Acts 19 20 in the city of Ephesus. So mightily grew the word and prevailed. It will prevail. It is impossible for the word of God to be put in a place, and it will not dominate that place. It's not possible. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's not possible. In Acts chapter 5, the Pharisees were so bothered and disturbed, they said, You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. <laughs> that words, the word of God when it is preached consistently Has the capacity to fill the ent- entire atmosphere And how does it do that? When it gets in the hands of men Those men will not be able to sit still anymore They will just have to talk about it They will just have to practice it Is somebody hearing what we're saying tonight? If I look for two persons Then I say the word is working in my own life Glory to God. And so last week we also saw that the key to the Gospels is in the prepositions. The key to the Gospels is the prepositions. And I told you how that the English language was not constructed for a preposition to carry the kind of weight that the Gospel calls upon it to carry. So the English language breaks down under the weight of the Gospels and the prepositions go almost unnoticed. And that's just the flat out truth about it. And of course, I helped you to refresh your mind with your primary school uh, English teachers' efforts that was made on your life, if you probably not wasted it. And hopefully, you didn't waste my effort last week, Wednesday. Because I taught you what is a preposition. Now, those who know, tell those who don't know. Anyway, so ask your neighbor then. So, what is a preposition, neighbor? (laughs) Because I know you're counting on me to tell you again. So, what is a preposition? (laughs) I don't even know what you're saying. Anyway, I told you last week, a preposition is a little word that connects nouns, pronouns, and shows relationship in whatever verbal activity is going on. Words like, and now we're narrowing down to the prepositions in the gospel, that is the epistles, for. With, in, through, by. Can you see that? So I'm not going to be that anymore. So we moved on from there to talk about understanding redemption. And I told us how death came by one man, Adam. We saw that in Romans 5.12, in 1 Corinthians 15.21-22. And we saw that Jesus' victory over death is our victory over death. All men were born into this world spiritually dead. And I told you there are three kinds of death there is the physical death which is separation of the spirit from the body death essentially means separation are you getting that now yes. death essentially means what separation. all right so tell your neighbor what are the other two kinds of death let's revise explain the last one eternal death what is eternal death <laughs> As uh, I just said, I never said teach. don't teach you nonsense. Because uh... <laughs> so death is essentially separation. Physical death is for the body of a person to be separated from their spirit. Yeah, and then spiritual death is what separation from God. And then eternal death is what. Ah, 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 ah eternal death is basically eternal separation from God because when a man is spiritually dead he can still be made one with god can you see that you know in james two twenty six he says for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead and that's a very perfect explanation of what death is separation as the body without the spirit is dead in other words as the body separated from the spirit is dead so it, it tells you you see the 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 operative word in that verse is separation separate did you see that the body without the body separate from the body apart from the spirit is dead the spirit of a man separated or apart from the spirit of god is dead but you see before the coming of the lord jesus and before a man dies he has the opportunity to no longer be apart from god And that is what Jesus came to do. Do you see that? And when you receive Jesus, that's what happens. He that is joined to the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, is one spirit with him. That is, he has been brought into union with him. And that's what we have now. That's what I have now. But because of this, I'll just explain to you, what is eternal life? I'll give you some definitions of eternal life from three different writers. The first one is William Buckley. Very wonderful teacher of the word reading so many books about the blood of Jesus the Holy Ghost and a few other things and William Barclay said eternal life is not simply life that goes on forever it is not simply life that goes on forever that is it is life that goes on forever but that's not just what it is he goes on to say in the New Testament it is true never forget that God has given us resurrection from the dead the essence of eternal life though is not duration it is quality Eternal life, he goes on to say, is the injection into the realm of time of something from the realm of eternity. It is the coming into human life of something of the life of God. I'll help you one more time. Eternal life is not simply life that goes on forever. In the New Testament, it is true, never forget, that God has given us resurrection from the dead. The essence of eternal life, though it is not duration, it is quality. He says eternal life is the injection into the realm of time, of something from the realm of eternity. It is the coming into human life of something of the life of God. And that's so powerful. That's what eternal life is. That it is something of God's quality injected into human beings. You know, words, therefore eternal life is not just the duration of, even though it's a duration, it has a duration that spans beyond time, endlessly. Albeit, what is more important about eternal life is that it is the quality of life that God has. So eternal life is life as God has it. Eternal life, therefore, is life as God has it. A second definition by a man called James Stewart. He wrote a book called A Man in Christ james stewart says this life which flows from god into man is something totally different from anything experienced on the natural plane it is different not only in degree but also in kind it is supernatural life it makes man a new creation it is not the intensification of powers already possessed but a sudden emergence of an entirely new and original element (laughs) you have a lot to think about i'll come again this life which flows from god into man is something totally different from anything experienced on the natural plane it is different from not only in degree but also in kind And have you noticed that? Truly, like I told you, the new creation man is a species, a new species of being that had never existed before. Never had, had it ever been that a man will have a body that cannot die. When Jesus rose from the dead, that's the kind of body he rose with. And that's the body he's going to give us when he comes. Upon his return. But you see, before we get that body, you need to know our spirit is exactly like that already. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh boy. Just like God. Like God. Somebody say, I'm just, like I'm just like my papa. He goes on to say, it is, a, it is different not only in degree but also in kind. It is supernatural life. So somebody say, I have supernatural life. Have supernatural life. He says, it makes man a new creation. It is not the intensification of powers already possessed, but a sudden emergence of an entirely new and original element. And so understand, when a man comes to be in Christ, he begins to live in the post-resurrection life of Christ. I'll say that again. When a man comes into Christ, he begins to live in the post-resurrection life of Christ. That is, this is the life of Jesus after he was raised from the dead. That's the life that he gave us. We are not even to live like Jesus in the gospels. That's not the realm of the power we flow in. We flow in the realm of the Jesus that was raised from the dead. Are you hearing this now? You see Paul saying to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2:1, he said, You are thick who were dead in trespasses and sins. Did you see where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air? The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we by nature children of wrath, even as others, but God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us when we were dead. Did you see? He said, as he quickened us together with him? Glory to Jesus, by grace ye are saved. And has raised us up together with him and made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show forth the riches of his kindness. Did you see? In, in his kindness, his riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 8. He said, Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. I am his workmanship, am workmanship. created in Christ Jesus. So, notice what he said in verse 5 and 6. He quickened us together, raised us up together, and made us sit together with him. So, in other words, this life we have is the post resurrection life of Christ. Because you see, he came to identify with us in his humanity. So, it is in his resurrection that we identify with him come on now i've got to say that again that's why he says he made him to be seen second corinthians 5 21 who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him so notice that he made him to be seen that's for us in making christ seen god made christ identify with us in our humanity in our sin nature are you getting that in making us his righteousness in christ he made us identify with him are you hearing that now and so you understand therefore when he was raised we were raised together when he sat at the right hand as the ascension we all were made to sit together with him so, so that now, like Paul says in Galatians 2.21, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave it himself. Gave his life for me. So I live the life of the post-resurrected Christ. And that's how you've got to understand. What is the life of the post-resurrection Jesus Christ? The life of the post-resurrected Jesus is a life that is above sins. Do you see that? I told you in a particular way last week, the life of the post-resurrection Christ is the life that has absolute mastery over death in all his faces. It has absolute mastery over hell and all his hosts. It has absolute mastery over Satan and all of his works. And it has absolute mastery over sin and all of his consequences. That is the post-resurrection life. Absolute mastery. Sorry, so that's what I have now. Do do you believe that? i have absolute mastery over death in all his faces i've got absolute mastery over satan Satan. and all of his works i have absolute mastery over hell Hell. and all of his hosts i have absolute mastery over sin Sin. and all of his consequences glory to god God. now that's the post-resurrection life that's the post-resurrection life. the pre-resurrection jesus had not yet defeated death and hell do you understand now and he didn't give us that life it is the post-resurrection life he gave us are you getting that now hallelujah actually when you notice in the new testament eternal life is that kind of life which is given to all true believers in christ this is a bible translator and he says the word eternal draws attention to the quality of the life not its duration in a temporal sense it draws attention to the quality of the life thus eternal life can be experienced by believers while subject to temporary conditions of earthly life i'm going to repeat that sentence again thus eternal life can be experienced by believers while subject to to temporal conditions of earthly life in other words we experience eternal life now are you getting this now eternal life is something we experience now and i'll give you very simple examples when sickness is trying to rattle your body and you use your authority in the name of jesus against it and the sickness leaves that is the operation of eternal life when you cast out devils that's eternal life at work when you overcome temptations that's eternal life at work are you getting this now that's not the operation of your brain your brain cannot cure anybody from demonic oppression your brain has no dominion over demons but the eternal life which is the quality of life as God has it has that dominion are you seeing this now glory to jesus yeah. and i think that makes a good recap for last week so if you do if you're not around last week, go ahead and listen to the message so we look at the ransom view and we, we said last week the ransom is the sum of money demanded or paid for the release of a captive in other words what it means was we were held captive by sin by satan but jesus christ paid a ransom and brought us out did you see this and the payment he made was himself, his very life, his own blood. We saw 1 Peter 1 18 to 19, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so we looked at a few more scriptures and explained that word. So let's get to the second view. Of redemption and that's the substitution and satisfaction view and i wanted to take note of this that when we talk about substitution what we mean is that jesus took our sin and shame and he bore our griefs and to bear there means to he lifted it off from us he bore our griefs He bore our sins he bore our shame you see, when John saw Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 29 and said, Behold the Lamb of God, we taketh away the sins of the world. When he said he taketh, it, it means he bore it. He carried it on himself. He carried it upon himself. And if he carried it upon himself, what it means is he lifted it off from us. Are you seeing this now? In other words, instead of us carrying it, he took our place in carrying it. He took our place in sin. He took our place in shame. The shame that should have come to you, Jesus bore that shame. He bore that reproach. And that's why you've got to understand the reason why he died the death of the cross is because the death of the cross is a criminal's death. I'd like to, you know, help you see that picture perfectly. Jesus didn't die a dignified death at all. In case you didn't know it, is for the sake of decency that all the movies that portray the the crucifixion of christ would not do you know that because it's unthinkable but in reality jesus died naked okay yeah stripped him naked beat him this is what i'm saying they 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 literally not only defaced jesus they defamed him called him a criminal when peter was preaching on the Pentecost, he, he put it to the jews and said you guys chose a criminal over jesus the christ now what he simply meant was they, they they were simply saying you are more criminal than the criminals we know even though we know you're a good man but we're going to make you like a criminal so he was treated like a criminal as a matter of fact, when you read Deuteronomy, Moses had said, cursed is he that is hung on a tree, which is what Paul was quoting in Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord, being made a curse for us. You see, because it is reading, cursed, Did you see, cursed is he that is hung upon a tree. So Jesus Christ died a criminal's death. And the criminal's death is a shameful death. You can't think or fathom any shame worse than that but whose shame was it it was our shame and i'll tell you one thing if there's anything you should never allow in your life don't allow shame in your life for you to allow shame in your life is to make a mockery of what jesus did he suffered shame on our behalf he suffered shame on our behalf you got to understand what it meant that he was deserted Do you think it was just because of fear that Peter denied Jesus? It was shame also. Because at the point Jesus was arrested, you didn't want to identify with that kind of man. So everybody left him alone. And he told them ahead of time. He said, you will all leave me. It was not just because of fear. These were men who had bought swords to defend him. But reputation was at stake. But all that was before the Holy Ghost. (laughs) because when the Holy Ghost came upon these men they didn't mind I would say sometimes when you say Christian in this generation who feels uh, the, the circumstances are not palatable for you to preach the gospel don't let the apostles hear you say that they had a a very big huge humongous task preaching Jesus Christ 50 days after that shameful do you see shameful dishonoring ignoble did you see death in famous death criminal's death they had the task to stand in public in the same environment to preach that same jesus and he's not just a good man but he's the messiah how hard a task and yet on the day of pentecost peter stood up And he didn't just stand up to be whispering he said listen to me all of you i want to tell you something and he didn't begin by beating about the bush he said jesus christ a man approved of god amongst all of you by many signs and wonders which god did through him amongst the people my god and he made reference directly to the crucifixion he made reference to the shame he made reference to the thing he was ashamed to identify with just 50 days ago but now that thing that he was ashamed of has become his badge of honor. Are you hearing what I'm talking about now? And that's why I think he's not, he's not every time you should be praying for boldness to preach the gospel. You're not under persecution. You don't need to ask for boldness. You're bold already. Just go and preach. The people who pray for boldness to preach it was because they have just finished beating them. Who has beat you? Who slapped you? Being let go after they were threatened. They now went, Who threatened you that you're not asking for boldness? The one you got at, at the new bed. Use it. you have not finished using it yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? When Paul was asking them, Pray for me that I will speak this word with boldness as I ought to speak. This is Paul whose life is under threat. Who is threatening your own life? You don't need boldness. You're just shy. You already have boldness. You're just too shy. So stop being shy. And stop making Jesus look like something that we need to embellish and garnish it, you know, and all that. Jesus is a powerful brand, man. (laughs) That is to show you that you can never think in your mind that using worldly means will ever achieve the purpose of God for his kingdom and his work. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. So i think sometimes if the, if the apostles of old should see this generation and some of the things that people have done generation, they will they will use whips and beat some people You see people who think that a celebrity you know will help us make the gospel spread faster what do you mean you think there were no celebrities in the days of the apostles in jerusalem on the day of pentecost do you know how many people were of high ranking and of great reputation but the apostles didn't need them the holy ghost is enough jesus said and you shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me and who are these witnesses mere men yeah, man. like one was teaching two hours ago ordinary people ordinary people and this ordinary man he got to a point the rulers of their day said you've turned the the men who have turned the world upside down have come again who are these men that have turned the world upside down he shot in case you do not know it at the time of Jesus' ministry many of these guys were teenagers so when i hear people shout out about gen z gen z you better sit down the apostles will rise up in judgment against this generation and tell you nobody pampered us they didn't do special performances for us as as opener for the meeting before jesus will now bring the word there's no such thing no such thing john was a teenager a young boy, my God, he left his father with his father's boat and fish and left his father to continue the fishing himself and his brother James, my God, they followed Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Follow me. He didn't repeat it. He said it once and they obeyed. Yes. How many times do you need somebody to be prepping you and propping you up before you respond to the call of God? Just one statement, follow me. And they left everything and followed Jesus. So much so Peter looked at him and said, Sir, we left all to follow you and they were, you can't lie to Jesus like that he knew they had left all. they meant it that's why he responded to them he said no man who has left all." Mark 10 in this life he will reap a hundredfold yes, so Jesus himself is, is trying to say to them guys I don't call people to reduce people I don't call people to take them back if I call you even in this earth yes, you will never regret it hey somebody hear what I'm saying tonight so he took our shame <laughs> because today it's easier to just, you know, because we're just reading the stories, and so we just feel, oh wow, you know, you can even sing something that when I saw the one cross on which the king of glory died. You know, I know something that you know we embrace the cross, and you can even wear a, a, a necklace, and your pendant is the sign of the cross, it's a picture of a cross. But that cross in their day was a sign of shame criminality. How God can turn something that represented criminality, shame, ignominy and turn it to something that is glorious. And I'll tell you not only with the work of redemption, that's the way God handles our lives. Yes
1: sir. Yes sir. yes sir. yes sir.
0: God is a master at turning broken things into beautiful things. You know, so something I read many years ago, and somebody said in God's garden, even broken crayons still color. Hey. Is someone hearing me?
1: Yes,
0: sir. You know, the Lord told me, this before I came. To he said, he said I, I need you to chat some, some of my children up. He said, because some of them are going through some rough patches. And I don't know who you are. But I tell you, in case you don't know it, the, rough, the roughest parts of your life is what God uses the most to make the most beautiful sounds out of your life. Yes,
1: yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. Oh. Thank you. you know, so why you see a grand piano? Is a grand piano's differ in the quality of sound they bring out and what makes the difference basically is the kind of wood from which the piano was constructed and so a man of god said to put a piano for his wife and then one day he walks into his living room and he meets an old man playing the piano and you know his wife had called the man to i think a tutor or something like that and he he was talking to the man the man said well this your piano sounds so beautiful and better than most pianos and he said, how do you know that a piano sounds better and why?" Would one piano sound better than the other? He said, well, I'll tell you. He said, because you see, those who manufacture grand pianos, even guitars, some of them, they take wood from trees that are cut from the north side of the mountain. And he said, not only from the north side of mountains, but the highest point where it is coldest and the conditions are harshest He said, because at that point is where the wood really comes together and makes the best sounds. And you know what he said? He said, you see, actually, those kind of trees, they are the ones that have been so beaten and battered by the harshest weather." He said, they make the best sounds. He said, I just thought to tell you too. Perhaps you've been so beaten and battered and all that, but I'll tell you something God is going to do with all those battering. He's going to bring some beautiful sounds out of it, some sweet sounds out of it. And that's why when you play a grand piano, you does not need electric speakers, it fills the room. What is amplifying the sound is the quality of the wood. God is building something with you. God is building something with you. Don't waste the moments of your pain. Don't waste the hard moments of your life. That's why you see Paul saying to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. I have never seen a bad season that will last
1: forever.
0: Ah, That's the thing about seasons. They change. Ah, They change. They change. And as some of you tonight, it's as though your life looks like you are at the onset of a rough season. And usually when a season is at its onset, you feel like, ah, well, this is going to last for so long. But I hear God say, I've interrupted it. Amen.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
0: And I'll tell you boldly by the Holy Ghost tonight. You know, when God wants to say and communicate something, we try our best to use as many you know similitudes to just make us understand but that's the point god asked me to tell you tonight and that's the power of god released tonight every negative season that has lasted longer than it should i put an end to it right now and i command a divine interruption of that season i command a divine interruption of that season i command a divine interruption of that season season. I declare, suddenly let the seasons change. Let the seasons change. Let it change in your favor. Let it change in your favor. Let it change in your favor. favor. Go ahead and thank God for it now. Online, on ground. Thank Him for it. Thank God for it now. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Thank Him.
1: Thank
0: Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory to your name, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. it's done.
1: Amen.
0: Hallelujah. Be seated. Glory to God. I tell you, God owns the times of our lives and listen to me any rough patch you've been through in recent time is not going to waste God is building something out of it alright and this is a warning I want to give to you don't talk negative about whatever has happened in the last couple of months to you if you've been going through a rough patch don't speak of it in a negative however painful it has been give thanks to God for it just say Lord I thank you I hear what I'm saying? just say, Father, I just give you praise. I just thank you. I give you all the glory. You know, it doesn't have to make sense. Don't complain about it. Give thanks about it. You know, there's, there's a mantra they say they have in the royal family. Don't complain. Don't explain. And it's a good thing because you are royalty. So don't complain. And don't explain. Sometimes some explanations actually open the door to the devil more. He's trying to explain everything to everybody Oh, blah, 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 blah. i've been there i tell you they trying to explain and the more you explain you're worsening the situation you are giving more life to what is supposed to end so stop explaining give thanks and i tell you know i was studying one of our daughters here and i said to her you know you know the devil bombarding her mind with all kinds of things and i said next time the devil tries to harass your mind you plead the blood of jesus and harass him back some of you need to understand how to warfare in your mind because that's where the real battle is whether it's a battle against sin whether it's a battle against a temptation a battle against a sickness against fear against anxiety whenever the devil is whipping things up in your mind first of all understand this you cannot overcome a thought with a thought you've got to open your mouth but when you open your mouth you've got to say the right thing the most dreadful thing to satan is the
1: blood
0: and say in the name of jesus Satan, the blood is against you, and by the blood of the everlasting covenant, my mind is thinking the right thing. Yeah, my mind is thinking the right thing, my mind is thinking God's thoughts, and so all this time you need to begin to say those words with faith in your heart. That because of the precious blood of Jesus, I will never lose my mind, I will never lose my mind.
1: Never.
0: My mind is sharp. sharp. (laughs) (laughs) The most holy emotions are stirred up in me. The most holy emotions are stirred up in me. And listen to this. Holy emotions are not only emotions of doing the right thing. Holy emotions include seeing what God is seeing about you. Holy yes. emotion is to see yourself and feel the greatness of God in your life. Holy emotions is to see yourself living long and living strong with nothing wrong. Holy yes. emotions for you to have that boldness and confidence in your spirit. When I go out, I will come back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? that you mark the righteous behold the just man Psalm 37, 37 the end of that man is peace nothing missing nothing broken in my life nothing stolen nothing damaged in my life are you hearing what I'm saying? don't be a Christian that the devil is talking you down and you are not responding the greatest battle plan of Satan is that he doesn't expect you to react he doesn't expect you to respond rather to him Satan is always banking on the fact that you won't fight back and that's why he says resist the devil yes, sir. and he will flee why satan has no response to resistance yes, sir. Yes, sir. he's a coward yes, sir. you don't back down yes, don't back down even when it seems so hard and you're crying and you have almost cried your eyeballs out still get some shout on your inside and still <laughs> scream Sometimes, if all you can just shout is Glory! <laughs> Lord, 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 Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. You know, you say, God, you know, things have been so hard. I've been crying. I'm so tired. I'm so weak. Anyway, you can start with a whisper. And you can just start whispering Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Glory! Glory!
1: Glory! 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 glory!
0: glory! And you see what I'm talking about? So don't back down to the devil. Don't back down for him. Respond. 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 I told you joy is always doable. Joy is always doable. <laughs> Somebody say, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> So he took our place in shame, our sins. In John 15 13, he said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. When he said lay down his life for his friends, what he means there is the death. We should have died, or ought to have died. He died. In Second Corinthians five twenty-one, he made him to be sin for us. Ephesians five two, walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us. Titus two fourteen, who gave himself for us. These are all substitutionary scriptures or scriptures that show the substitutionary work of Christ. First Peter 2, 21-24, For even here unto where ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Listen, listen to me. You see, this statement Peter made here is not only by revelation of the Holy Ghost, Peter is also speaking from experience. Because disciples spend most of their time with Jesus in those three and a half years. If I've been Bible commentators tell you, Jesus actually housed them. They lived with him. So when Peter said, Jesus did no sin. Peter is not just talking by revelation. Peter is saying, I can vouch for that man. We lived with him. He was a perfect example. We knew him well. Did you see this? So he says, you know, when Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul is speaking purely by revelation. Because Paul never had the opportunity to physically walk with Jesus. And that's a good thing when somebody can testify of you revelationally, and somebody can testify of you experientially. You can grow up to that point. And you will grow up to that point. I don't know about you, but I will continue to grow up into that point. Because I'm growing in that point. Boy, glory to God. you know what I'm saying now because as you're growing in God things have to change you've got to keep getting better and better and better somebody says I'm getting better I'm getting better and so he says in verse 23 who when he was reviled reviled not again so of course you can tell he witnessed this one too he reviled not again when he suffered. He threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously, who his own self bare our sins. So notice again, bear our sins. That is, he took it off from us in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So understand that when he says he bare our sins, what it simply means is that he stood in our place. He substituted for us. And we're looking at this as the second view Did you see that of the four views of redemption that we find in the epistles? John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the whole world. You see that in John 1.29, John 1.36. In Romans 5, verse 6 to 8, For when we were yet without strength, notice now, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He says, For scarcely for a righteous man we won't die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare. Did you see this? To die so notice the language there is substitution language, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, in other words, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died in our place. there's substitutionary view of the work of redemption. So understand that this substitutionary work was satisfactory. That is, he satisfied god in other words you know it's possible to make a substitute and it doesn't work like i told you about the molecular remission it was done you know i told you about the little boy who was born with leukemia and then um, they had to find you know after two years of treatment unfortunately they when they thought that they were clear they found some bad cells and so they said the the boy would go through uh, you know do a stem plant stem cell transplant is that what they call it bone marrow transplant where they would take the stem cell from somebody else and put it in his own I'm correct now I wonder if I'm trying glory to God uh you know I never wanted to be a doctor I'm glad I never became one anyway so and (laughs) so yeah the bone marrow transplant so they took the stem cell from one of his brothers and put in him and at that point the doctor said to the boy get ready to say bye bye to you because from this point, you will now be exactly like your brother. But however, that procedure, you need to also trust God. Because some people, 60%, you know, uh, you see what I'm saying? But God bless them. Because some cases, if the boy system rejects the stem cell, that's death, Wabi. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, some people have really used this faith. What I'm telling you is not a story I read in a book. It happened to a man of God. His grandchild. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not only did it su- you know, succeed, the transplant succeeded 100%. 100%. You is what I'm saying? And so at the point where the boy woke up, they said he's so serious because the DNA of his brother is exactly what is in him now. And so all the traces of the cancer he once had is no longer, they are all gone for life. Now, if medical sciences can do that, I believe it's just, you see, God has left traces of his redemptive work in nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, let me say that again. God has left traces of his redemptive work in nature. So when Jesus came as I talking talking parables, the sower, sow the seed, the seed is the word of God. See, in the creation of the world, that's why I see Paul saying in Romans chapter 1, he said, look, even from the things created, God has left the imprints of his eternal Godhead there, so that man is without excuse. Yes, the wisdom of God is truly in salvation. Because you see, what they simply did now, scientifically, is similar to what God did in Christ. He made him who knew no sin to be seen. Then he took the righteousness of Jesus, like he transplant, and put it inside you. So they removed the old and put the new. So I carried the stem cells of Jesus Christ. So, his DNA It's my DNA. <laughs> and so, when that kind of transplant succeeds, like the boy's own succeeded 100%, then you can say it was satisfactory. And that's exactly what Jesus did. The substitutionary work of Christ was satisfactory. Because that's what the transplant is about the substitution. You take the one that was there, remove and replace it with some, a better one that is healthy, that is clean. That has no sickness or disease in it. The life, that's what I'm saying to you. It is the post-resurrection life of Christ that was given to us. Let me even tell you what that means. That's the reason why the victory of Jesus is my victory. That's why when I stand, hell sees me as Jesus who beat hell and defeated hell.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The imprint of victory have been... Installed and injected into me. Yes, sir. <laughs> if I in virology and all those hey, I'm all this medical, all this scientific something, say if a, that's why you see, if a person has caught certain virus before and overcame it, they say he cannot catch the normally virus again. You know the reason is because the, 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 the there, there is a DNA in that in those cells, immunity me. <laughs> so that if when those viruses come again. They can, uh, the the body has developed antibodies. (author) One more way, one more way, one more way, one more way. Ah! Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the sweetest part of science to me.
1: That
0: is like there is, there is a memory. Yeah. There's a memory in the cells. Yes, my God, that has learned and mastered how to defeat. Hey, yeah. So the blood of Jesus running in my veins. Is hey, somebody hearing me? It has the memory of how Christ defeated death. In all his faces, how Christ defeated hell and all of his hopes, how Christ defeated Satan and all of his walks, how Christ defeated sin and all of his consequences. The memory is there.
1: <laughs>
0: and that's the reason why if you will walk in the spirit, hmm, you're born again sales. They already know what to do. Just create the environment for them to walk. Every time they will beat beat Satan down. Every time they will beat sickness down. Every time they will beat sin down. You just walk in the spirit. Just walk in the spirit. Ah,
1: It's
0: like somebody eating good diet, Doing his exercise properly. Every function of your body will work well. So... You pray in the spirit, you feed on the word, you confess God's word, and you do God's word. Leave the rest. It's impossible to be defeated.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 We don't carry genes of defeat. We are carrying victory genes. We have developed antibodies against sin, Satan, hell, death. <laughs> Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Is somebody getting this tonight? Yes, sir. And that's what Jesus Christ succeeded to do. And, and you see, you need to understand this. The Holy Ghost in his ministry truly brings us into this revelation. Where it dawns on you for real. He took my place. And now I am in his place. And now I'm in his place. I tell you, this is the most glorified act of God through all the ages. That God will put his life in man. The angels marvel at it. Like who the God we perceive, but have never seen. So when they look at the man in Christ, he says, So this is what it looks like. <laughs> Because in 1 Timothy 3.6, he makes it clear. He said, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Seen of angels. Their first chance to see God was when Jesus walked the face of the earth. I said, wow So this is what it looks like. Because they had never seen him in human in any form before. In any form before. In any form, they had never seen him before. And it came in human form. And so that's why I say God was manifest. So that is His first manifest. To, manifest. to manifest means to become perceptible. So the first time God manifested Himself, His person became visible, it's in man. Yes, sir. And let me tell you, it will only be in man. Oh, okay. ah, my God. It will, God will never manifest in an animal never God will never inhabit a chair he will never inhabit a, a building he will never he will he will never speak he will never put all his essence in any other being than man in Christ you want to see God look at the man in Christ. That's the reason why after the, after the day of Pentecost in Acts 3 when Peter and John met that guy they didn't say, look for Jesus, look on us. <laughs> in other words, in other words, the same way Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of devils because God was with him, because you don't understand that man, Jesus had passed by that man several yes, 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 yes. it was their route yes. so this time around they now know that what Jesus did we can do Yes, sir. and we are not doing it as his replacement we are doing it as his representative yes. now are we ambassadors for Christ yes. so they said to him look on us because when you see us you have seen him yes. As God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, He is in us too now. And by us, He's reconciling the world to Himself. The substitutionary view of redemption. He became us so that we could become Him. And we have become Him. Lift your hands and thank Him today. Oh, we give you praise, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We give you praise. Blessed be your name. You've been listening to the teaching of God's Word. Brought to you by God's Heritage of Faith Church. Our mission is raising stronger believers. For more information about our church or to get more of our life transforming resources, visit our website at www. That's hofn God bless you.